What's up, everybody? We are back after a nice, lengthy holiday break. Welcome to Real Chronicles, brought to you by the CinematicReal.com. I am your host, David. I am joined with today, Mr. Jack Renault. How was your turkey? How has your month been, good sir? It has been very good, uh, but very happy to come back. And with quite a splash, I would say this is certainly quite a movie to open the holiday season with on our end. And whether or not you argue it's a holiday movie, I think... We can agree that it's a very good one at that. I added, I added a side side uh, subtext discussion on the Christmas movie aspect of this <laughs> for our discussion uh, in a few. And Mr. Hunter Friesen, busy, I'm sure, with a lot of FYC stuff. How have you been? Yeah, I know you would think a month off this prod- podcast would cause for rest and relaxation, but it's the exact opposite of that. It's busy season, but happy to be back here talking about, as Jack said, a great movie. Yes, great movie. We are doing a celebration of one of my favorite action movies of all time and I guess favorite Christmas movies of all time discussion to come later. Die Hard. Uh Great franchise, too, in my opinion, in terms of what it's trying to accomplish of just being just some fun action movies. There's only one terrible movie in the franchise for me, and it's the last one, which if you guys haven't seen, do not ever, ever watch A Good Day to Die Hard. I have. (laughs) This is a rare complete franchise for me, one that you maybe not wouldn't expect. Am I underselling how bad the last one is, Jack? I, I, it's it was without question the most unmemorable, so that's already a bad sign with this franchise. Seriously. Uh, um Hunter, have you seen anything but the first one? I have not seen any of them any of the other movies in the franchise, and I honestly don't know when I will at some point maybe. Uh Dire with a Vengeance is great for Fourth of July weekend. Like I feel yes, like it's essential absolutely. for the summer. Uh, so they're just cycling, cycling through the holidays. There, is that the, what they're doing? Yeah. the second Un- one. They go back maybe? to Christmas for the. The second one is a Christmas movie, yeah. yeah, but yeah. not yeah, as okay. not as a memorable villain as the as the first one. I don't um, even know who the villain is in that one. I don't even. It, I just remember Robert Patrick's one. Of that same year, uh, I was like Dion Waiters. <laughs> yeah. Dion like, I know, I know, I know. Jeremy Irons is Dire of the Vengeance, or. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, the that Vengeance, yeah. yeah, that one I know. I know that. So Samuel L. Jackson has the funniest line read yes, in that Samuel one Jackson. when they're in the in the cab. And it's listen, I guess because I'm Latino, it just tickled me when uh, McLean keeps calling him Jesus. And he's like, it's Zeus. What do I look like, Puerto Rican? It's so funny to me. But yeah, yeah, we're going to get into Dyer in a bit. Before we get into that, I'm not going to go through the news of the last month because we are not sane and we have football to watch in a little bit. So just three bits of uh, news I wanted to touch on. Uh, we all love Mad Max Fury Road here, so we've been waiting for this for quite a long time. We got finally got the trailer to Furiosa over the uh, a couple of days ago. Um, loved it. Only nitpick I had is that it looks like it has a little bit more CGI than I care for uh, in comparison to Fury Road, but I'm there day one. I'm very excited for it. It looks pretty badass. Jack, thoughts? Yeah, no, I'm pretty much in the same boat. I agree it looked a little bit more CGI-based than the one prior, but it still gave enough to get me there and i was gonna be there regardless but i went back and looked at the fury road trailers and even still there they still kind of like 
held back on what they really had to offer, mm-hmm. like in all the grand scheme of things. So I'm still excited nonetheless. Same. Hunter, what about you? Yeah, and George Miller, I trust, especially hoping this brings people to watch 3,000 Years of Longing, his last movie, which was really <laughs> good as well, guys. He didn't just make Fury Road these last 10 years, but I, yeah, I was going to be here day one no matter what because I figured – it was going to be a great movie, and this trailer didn't dissuade me from feeling that at all. Yeah, same here. Very excited for it. Should be a a good, nice box office hit for for it George be. Miller because Max, Mad Max oh, did yeah. very well. Um, yeah, yeah. Next bit of news is awards news. Uh, I I I don't know if we've ever said this on here, but I know we've talked about it off the line about how the Oscars kind of have that Super Bowl time slot of like six thirty, six forty-five. We got close. We're getting a seven o'clock start time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Oscars are moving to 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, which on the New York side of things, I am very ecstatic that I don't have to be up till 1230 in the morning anymore for the Oscars. Um, and it's going to be followed by an episode of Abbott Elementary. So I'm sure you guys are not upset about the Oscars moving up an hour, Jack. No, not at all. Well... Well, yes, this semester I will have school in the next morning, so I'm very appreciative. But no, it also now makes me more like excusable towards like when they do a bit that maybe goes on a bit longer. It's like, well, at least it's not like an hour later than it would be. So, And I think the projection is that they're going to end by 1030, even if they go to 11, at least it's not 12, 1230. Yeah, so perfectly fine. Uh, Hunter, yay or nay? Well, do we take bets the over under they actually end at 10 30. um i'm gonna say- last year they were like three hours guys three hours and then they went like three and a half they, and it went, and- i'm sure there's vegas odds for that i'm gonna Probably. say i feel good it's gonna be over three and a half hours it's which is fine safe, you know? it's always yeah. a safe over i'd say like they did they did nothing special last year and they went three and a half so it, it's that kind of thing uh sure i guess you know starting an hour earlier why not now let's go get the oscar nominations to be a little later in the day because those are at like 5 30 in the morning or 6 in the morning which i enjoy waking up for but i'm like hey if i could wake up at 8 a.m that'd be nicer it's very niche because the oscars are pretty much lowering in people that watch them and it's more art you know, community at this point, but I've always been a proponent for someone that wants the Oscar nominations as a primetime special, kind of like the NBA draft lottery type of thing, uh, where you do it like at 8.30 p.m. on ABC on like a Tuesday night type of thing, or in between shows, you enter, you lessen commercials on a show and you have like 10, 15 minutes in between shows to have the Oscar nominations, something along those lines. We'll never get that. But um, it would be something at least you need to add more spice to the award show. But yeah, no complaints here. And then last bits of news, more award season news. We got our first two big, I guess, not big, but, you know, precursors of the season. We got the Gotham Awards and we got NYFCC. Uh, Nothing too shocking here. We have Past Lives winning Best Feature at Gotham, Anatomy of a Fall winning Screenplay and International Feature. Um, Lily Gladstone won Act. Outstanding lead performance for the unknown country, aka we're giving really giving this era for Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, Charles Melton won supporting for May December. He had a very good week. Um, and Anatomy of a Fall led with two wins. Nothing shocking here for you guys, right? No, no it's it just 
Just, uh, yeah, the little uh, veiled Lily Gladstone win, which the Unknown Countries movie, I was like, I know it existed. I was like, did it ever get released or anything? But obviously the Gothams can go for the tiniest of movies that I've never even heard of. So that's good on them, I guess. For sure. And then NYFCC kind of went in. Well, you you've made a good point. They actually gave love to multiple love to one movie, which they don't usually do, which is uh, so Killers of the Flower Moon wins Best Picture, Best Film. But I didn't think they were going to go in that direction after Christopher Nolan begins his trek to the Oscar because I thought it was once Oppie once he won director, I thought it was going to win Picture as well. I was I was ready. I was like, it's going to be Glazer Lanthimos wins picture or not picture, a uh, director. And then once it was Nolan, I was like, well, not that it was already done, but it's, now it's really done. It if is. the New York film critics are going for Nolan, that populist of a pick, then it's yeah, it's over. It's, it's happening. It's and listen, yeah. it's deserved. It's not. It's not one of those. Oh yeah, I, I have no 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 complaints about that. He'd be my winner. He is my winner. So. Uh, Lily Gladstone won actress again. This time for Killers of the Flower Moon. Oh. Uh, screenplay went to May December. That's a conversation to have when we get to nominate. I, I, it's had quite the discussion they, this week. It is it surged in like acclaim yeah. in the last like two weeks that I was just like, wait a minute, like. And I, <laughs> I like it a lot. Like, but not like, like this. Yeah. Not like this. I know. I was like, I thought people liked it. And then I was like, no, people love this movie. Some people do. And the New York film critics love Todd Haynes as well. They've awarded almost all his, we'll say, top tier films. So this was, I was like, figured it was going to get at least one award. Um, but it got two with Charles Melton when, when he's supporting. So that, I mean, this is more just going to help his cause for the nomination. He's not going to win the Oscar, but it's it's a nice, no. it's a nice, uh, nice two awards to get him started on his campaign. Uh, best actor is probably the shocker of the of NYFCC, but they always yeah. go wild, at least for one. They go one, one of them. Uh, uh, so Fran Rogowski won for Passages, which I have not seen. Have you, have you seen it? Yeah, it's a good movie. Is it? And he's he's definitely it's one of those once he won. I was like, yeah, I could definitely see why they picked that one. So uh, it, it go nowhere else. But you know, it's it's a good opportunity for them to award a movie that will never be talked about again. Unfortunately, Divine Joy Randolph wins for the holdovers, which Jack That's finally saw one. during our break, and I can't wait for him oh, to no. discuss it. Um, okay, good. I'll animated say it was deserved. <laughs> first yeah. film went to past yes. lives not shocked there international film went anatomy of a fall uh i guess no shock there it's not gonna win the win the oscar but i think it helps its best picture uh conversation now now i'm just waiting for the golden globes because they don't designate one film per no. country in their foreign language so we could have an anatomy fall versus taste of things there and then it'd really be fun to watch and then we have cinema talk everyone Went to Hoyt von Hotema for Oppenheimer. I was talking to Jack off the line. I feel like just from everything I've seen, Oppie and Maestro are my two favorite cinematography jobs of the year. So it could be between those two. But I think Hoyt has a nice little yeah. lead there. Um, and then animated film went to Boy and Heron, which not shocking. They no, not for this is like the fifth fifth win they've given them for the last twenty yeah. years. So they they they're gonna keep giving them to him. And then, yeah, that's pretty much all the highlights from here. We have MBRs next week, which um, yeah. I'm going to guess it's going to be Oppenheimer. Yeah. 
There's no Clint Eastwood movie, so they can't give it to that, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> Next year, don't worry. <laughs> it the only the only reason I'm hesitant, it's a jinx thing. I don't remember the last time an MBR Best Picture winner won Best Picture, so they could go Killers of the Flower Moon. It's been a while. Yeah. Yeah, MBR won like the I, most wily year one year too. I remember that. That's true. They sh- I, I gotta look the last few years. What do they give it to then? They didn't give it to like Green Book, did they? I feel like that. No, I think that went to Roma. <laughs> Maybe that's some somebody else. Like the Irishman won in twenty nineteen. Yeah. Uh I think oh, last last year's Top Gun Maverick. I didn't even I don't even remember that. <laughs> Jeez. Wow, good. Yeah, they did give it to Green Book. They did? So that was the last time. Yeah. yeah. So that was the last time. Interesting. Yeah, they gave it so Top Gun Maverick, Licorice Pizza, Defy Bloods, The Irishman, Green Book, The Post. Dot 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 dot. Okay. Okay, so one out so you know, it's it's still close. Close no, if, proximity. You, if you win it, you're getting the best picture nomination. Is what it looks like for sure. Yeah. And they have a Most good ratio likely. with their top ten when they do their MBR top ten. I think there's a good percentage. I think it's like seven out of ten. It's usually like 70, yeah. 60, 60, 70 percent usually gets into it's, to picture. As soon as you when you get like the AFI and the NBR, yeah, usually we look at that. You're like, all right, seven of these ten will get nominated and whatever else. So for sure, yeah, things are picking up. So we'll definitely be on the lookout in the coming weeks. But, uh, yeah, let's get into some of the stuff we watched. Jack, I don't expect you to go over a month's worth of movies, but go for it. Yeah, um, I'll just kind of hit some highlights. So we ended at Halloween pretty much, so I had a little final touch of some Universal Monsters, went back to Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, both Slap, The Mummy, Dave, more on your side, kind of, it sucks. <laughs> uh, it's just, it just kind of lacks with like what all of the other ones do really well in terms of like just enjoyable atmosphere and even just like enjoyable characters, even for the movie, but just kind of collectively unmemorable. I don't think I actually talked to you about this, Dave, but I watched the stuff. Uh, oh, you did which, not. No. Yeah, it was awesome. Told um, you, man. It's so fun. Just, I mean, I already knew going in just, like, from the plot, I was like, all right, this is kind of, like, this is the gonzo horror that, like, should be pushed on me. Just, like, kill, like, like ice cream that makes people go crazy, like, why not? And it was also just a really much more of a smart movie than I thought it would be. Not as, like, it was cheesy, definitely, in some ways, but it was also, like, kind of well thought out. Um, Thoughts on Polly? Oh. Rev- <laughs> yeah i was like that's a gonzo character for sure <laughs> uh, that was one that I, I scoped him immediately and i was like yeah yeah um rewatched uh with the holidays i rewatched um each corresponding peanuts special with its ah. given holiday great pumpkin charlie brown charlie brown thanksgiving christmas yet to come uh through finals week and some of Thanksgiving, I rewatched the Harry Potter franchise for the first time in a mm. bit. Really, really great. I always forget. It, I I ran that into the ground when I was a child. I put a lot of mileage on it, so don't go back to it a ton when I'm older, but when I do, it's quite great. Um, Thanksgiving, I rewatched Airplane with the family. That was quite <laughs> the experience. That's a good one, then. It, it was the first time I had watched it with them. And so it was just everybody laughing at different jokes. And man, I, it's one of the movies that I just love getting reactions out of people from. Uh, 
starting to get into Oscar season, rewatched Barbie, rewatched Oppenheimer, both still rock. Uh, saw the holdovers. Uh, you guys were right. Definitely Jack Core. I freaking loved it. Uh, I think Paul Giamatti is incredible and playing the kind of character that he just always does, but much, much more likable this time around. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm ex- def- like an Alexander an Alexander Payne big fan. Like Sideways is probably my, the other one I really like, but this is definitely like the one that I think is going to really, really stick with me. Um, and then, Hunter, I was telling this to Dave, and you'll be just as equally excited to hear, but a JFK rewatch did occur. Yay! See, you watch it once, that's not enough. It'll stay with you forever, and you'll have to rewatch it again. <laughs> now I have good news, and I have nope. fine oh, news. I have fine there's, only, news. there's only one good news you have to give Hunter and I, Jack. Okay. 10 out of 10, right here, five stars. The fine news... Is that I haven't decided whether or not I'm at five stars yet. Come on! The good news uh, is that it's entered my top 100. So that's, that's, okay. pro- that's, pro- that's promising. Now, um, this is still, I, like I, I said, one one watch isn't enough, two watches ain't even enough, three watches is, that may be where it is then. Remember, you yes. this can convince you to five stars, Jack. You're thinking about buying the 4K after watching oh. it already two times this year. It's it's a five star movie, man. There's nothing. I don't even have the. F- I don't even have a 4K to my top 10 of all time. I'm, I'm slacking here. Well, I'm but glad no, you liked uh, it. I did. I'm glad you love it. Yeah. yeah. Like, everything about... The only thing that went down on this movie, and it'll continue to do so, and it's just funny to make fun of, is Joe Pesci's character. Oh, yeah. Just, like, it's everything it's about, so funny. Like, like, from his first scene, like, his accent, and then him immediately reverting back to his standard, like, New York expected. It's, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. so fun. It's so fun, okay. but... I'll say, it, it, sneak, sneaky John Williams, one of his best scores. No, really, yeah. Unfortunately, and people don't the, talk the about The opening enough. prologue is probably now just, like, really one of my favorite, like, credit scenes oh, yeah. that's coming to mind. It's just really intense. One so. year later, it wins Best Picture. Yeah, Unforgiven. I mean, honestly, I mean, honestly like oh, that is true too. I think I, I think I watched like a, a Roger Ebert interview, like when those nominations came out that year, and I think he said that he thought the front runner was JFK at the time. So maybe there probably maybe was. Actually, you know what the thing is, the Lambs was like a surge. Like, I I do wonder yeah. if um if it's in the year of Dances with Wolves if it wins over because Goodfellas obviously didn't win, but. What an also Costner. <laughs> so it could be Costner versus Costner. And I think he's very good in that movie. It's my favorite performance of his. I think he's very yeah. good. It sucks he wasn't nominated for it. Not just, yeah. Draft that day's final, up there. Like Draft seasons. day's up there for Kevin Costner. Okay. <laughs> I'll tease this for whenever it was going to come. But I was actually going to watch that, but something came up and I didn't have time. But yeah. I saw it was on HBO Max and I was like, okay, Draft Day is at my disposal. I'm going to have to watch that here soon. Draft and, day. And Luke, Luke watched it and it's, gave me the good review. And I, was like, I love, right. I love draft day. It's such ridiculous. Tra- Listen, it's like I negotiate in it, fantasy. It's football. apparently it's relatable to our fantasy man. season, so that's all I need. It's, <laughs> it's, it's one of the best twists for a, at the end right? of a movie because I thought this guy's a goddamn idiot the whole day. Same and I was like, oh, I, you know, it's not a bad, not that actually. It's just, just insane hype what he pulls off in the end, and you're gonna be like Jack. You're gonna come back to us and you're gonna be like, what the fuck 
How the oh, how yeah. the fuck was he not fired, rehired at the same time? Mm-hmm. That's how ridiculous yeah. it is. Uh, you can save twenty minutes anytime Jennifer Garner's on screen. Just skip, skip it because skip it right through. N- not not her fault that they just totally wasted that character and that plot line. <laughs> that's that's one of the problems. Literally but anytime you, know, you save it, save yourself twenty five minutes on that movie. Anytime and just keep the good parts. They're in the draft room in the war room, dude. It is a plus movie. But when you're not there, it's it's yeah. that. it's garbage. It is. I don't even think it's a great movie or even a good movie, but it's like every April I'll watch it right when the draft's happening. Okay, football season's starting to roll a little bit more in, and it's 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 effortlessly watchable. At least it just so makes it just makes me hopeful that my GM can actually pull off trades like this guy. <laughs> that's what that's what we have to do with. But no, yeah, I'm with you, Hunter. What about you? What do you got? Um, it has literally been I have not deviated at all from this in all of November. It's either new releases or best picture winners. That's all it was over the whole month of November. So I won't do any new releases because well spoiler, we'll talk about most of them in our best of year podcast or worst of year actually too. But I'll go best picture winners I did from here to eternity, which was pretty good, but I honestly expected a little more considering the director and a lot of the stars in it. It was fine. Um, the original 1930, All Quiet on the Western Front, which I really liked. I thought it was a great movie. It surprisingly modern for being 93 years old as well. I, there's so many like editing tricks and sound effects and everything, especially at the creation of sound that are like still used today. I was like, oh, that's from Saving Private Ryan. Oh, Nolan kind of used that in Dunkirk. I was like, huh, kind of crazy. This movie's still going on still be used and you can see some of it in the last year's remake of all quiet on the western front so i'm happy that there's two movies that tackle the same material in slightly different ways and i watched uh oliver which was really bad oh. really bad so bad i i, I wrote that they, they only cast people who had the most annoying singing voices i don't know what the point <laughs> that was <laughs> It, they did in the trivia, in like the IMDb trivia, like that the the main Oliver kid he could not sing at all, so they dubbed his voice with the composer's daughter, which you can, I know he's like a nine year old boy who so doesn't have a deep voice, but you can obviously tell it's a girl whenever he's singing. It's so weird. Why did they do that? And it's a, I, I don't even mean to this little girl, but she also has a terrible voice too. <laughs> it's. it's uh, it's it's I'm I'm glad musicals kind of stopped winning after this because it really <laughs> ah, it's such a bad movie, so boring. And one of the opening like the second half there's an intermission and the second half opens with a musical number. I think it goes on for twenty minutes. I honestly, <laughs> might. it's so long. Uh, so it's fine. Whatever. Um, I wouldn't even into the even bigger depths of nobody knows what this is. The life of Emile Zola. Ah, that's, that's, that's one of the ones I haven't rare, seen. Rare blind Zola, it's, yeah. It's, I mean... Wait, where'd you find it? <laughs> um, I won't... I won't... For legal reasons, I won't state. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> because I, too, also couldn't find it. I was like, fuck it, I'm gonna watch this movie somehow. I'm trying to jump around. This movie, I think, is one of the worst movies I've seen in the first 20 minutes, and then it somehow gets really good in the second half, so that's weird. Paul Muni becomes, like, goddamn throwing half-court shots at the end. He has, like, a six-minute monologue that's actually really good, but it is. it was so bad at the beginning, so I was surprised it actually turned out to be okay. So, actually, it would be kind of... 
I look forward to you guys watching it, but I also am like, eh, it's such it. It's exactly where it is in the best picture rankings, which is like, eh, what is that movie? <laughs> and then I watched Gentleman's Agreement from 1947, which was actually really good. I was ready for the goddamn 40s version of Green Book, and it was actually. <laughs> Yeah. better than that it, i was because it's about anti-semitism right after world war ii like only two years after war ii they're talking about anti-semitism i was just ready for it to be like jews are people too guys they have feelings it, was, <laughs> oh, it, it had more on its mind than that it was more it's it's definitely still a what do you call it gentile savior movie where gregory peck is faking being jewish and then he's like trying to be like the savior of Jewish people. It's like, wow, buddy, you can't do that. But it's a really good cast and good actors. So I actually, it was much better than I thought it was going to be. I was ready for like not good, horribly dated preaching. It was pretty good. So I'm keeping it going. I got, I don't know, like 22 left to go and then I'm done. Nice. So. I have to jump back in to finish my four. But now that. And the good thing is, I've, I went through a lot of the just. We, be honest, nobody cares. Movies that I still have like Kramer versus Kramer. Did you yeah, get to like, Tom Jones yet? <laughs> I'll be honest. When I was doing it, Tom Jones was actually the first pick, and I couldn't get it to what I wanted. So Life of Musical was the back. Ah, of okay. That day. So probably so a better choice. I'll get to it, and uh, unfortunately, it, and that's also one like at least a Musical. Some people liked it on the letterbox. I couldn't find a one good rating for Tom Jones. Tom Jones is like, so bad. <laughs> It's, it's, the only reason it's, it's not my worst Best Picture winner is because there was really not any other good alternatives that year. It was just a bad year overall. Uh, yeah, uh, it was. I, don't remember. I didn't even look at that. that Best Picture year. Um, all right, awesome. Um, I was playing catch-up on a lot of FYC stuff, but uh, I did see yeah. Rustin finally, and Hunter is 100% right. It is quite forgettable. Why does it look so bad is the problem. I don't know. Like, just like cinematography, production design wise, it looks terrible, I thought. Yeah. I, I think Monterey's Co- Black Bottom looks great. So I was like, George C. Wolf can do this, man, but I guess not twice and, in a row. And I do like Coleman Domingo. He's good in it, but I don't think he's. I had, I expected like all timer type stuff with the way people were talking about him. He's good. Um, I, I thought it was also a movie that is made to be advertised on TikTok. Yeah. Where, like, every time he speaks, he's in some, like, rousing speech, inspirational one-liner that you can just cut up and throw in TikTok and be like, wow, this movie looks great. And you're like, no, actually, it's pretty bad, Jack, unfortunately. Um, Jack knows I saw this. Uh, I saw The Color Purple for the first time, the Spielberg one. Um, oh. Eh, didn't really like it. I, I uh, it was, It's fine. Um, so. I saw – this is a movie that Hunter and I completely disagree on. I saw Napoleon and – Ooh, yeah, you're. Yeah, I guess good or bad thing for us. We've been off for a month, so right in the middle of that was Napoleon. <laughs> it's it's interesting because like, if it was like a comedy, oh my god, it'd be like one of my favorite comedies of the year. It's, it's so a good funny. Comedy, but it's then a good it be, comedy. and then it dived into this melodramatic aspect with the relationship yeah. with Vanessa Kirby and Joaquin, and I'm like, get that shit out of my face. What? I, she's not. She's not. She, I. Ugh. It's so frustrating because there's a lot that I liked in Napoleon. Like the battle sequences are pretty tremendous, and then Joaquin yeah. Phoenix. Yo, Jack, when you watch Napoleon, it is I don't know what the fuck he's doing, but he's it, doing something. It is a takedown <laughs> of romanticized history. You, everyone, you know, reads the textbooks that were written by probably the victor, and it's like Napoleon was some great man, exalted <laughs> one. He and he is a simp, and a, like he's 
he is the sigma male of that time where he's like <laughs> yeah. i am alexander the great julius caesar's like no bro you're a fucking idiot well I, he is smart but like he thinks of himself as and everyone's talking about the land chop scene but honestly hunter the one that cracked me up the most in theater was when he's like because you boats, have bigger boats, boats. boats oh my god boats. That was yes, so funny. A, that's the best one you think you're so great because you, you have, have boats, boats. Now, uh, and I, obviously the way he delivers it is so funny uh, that but, is like the that ties the whole movie together. It's the rug that ties the movie together. But I did go, you know, despite not being as high as Hunter, I did still go three stars. So it's not like it's I don't think it's bad or anything. Well, it's just we'll talk about the best of your podcast <laughs> again. I did go into some cheese, Ridley Scott, though. I did I did want to touch Ooh. on it here. I did see for the first time um someone to watch over me. It felt like he was making a Tony Scott film. It's with oh, uh, what, what is that? It's a crime drama from the nineties. When was it made? Oh no, I'm sorry, late eighty nineteen eighty seven to be uh, honest. Uh as of now, the oh. only people I know that have seen it on my letterbox is me and JC. <laughs> That's about it. Well, uh, that makes some sense. <laughs> so the guys who've seen six thousand plus movies have seen it. Like, okay, once I get there, maybe I'll watch it. Tom Berenger's in it, Mimi Rogers, Lorraine Bracco, Jerry Orbach is playing a cop. Call me shocked. Um Okay. It, it it's good. I actually liked it, but it felt very much like a Tony Scott movie. And then I saw a movie which it is nothing short of a guilty pleasure for me. I know it's not a good movie. Please forgive me for liking The Counselor. I think The Counselor is hilarious. It is. So... I still haven't seen it. I want to see it. It's if you like Napoleon for just being ridiculous, this is like nonsense. It is nonsense. See? This movie is just. There's a great kill scene in the movie with like uh towards the end of the movie with. Uh, a, a very big actor that really slaps. But the movie is is not good. It's just I had a great time with it. Um, did a Pacino movie that I had not seen in a long time, Simone, which ironically... Oh, iron- I've heard good things about that, though. Ironically, it's very on brand with what studios want to do with AI because Pacino creates an actress out of AI in this movie, and this movie came out in 2002. Uh, it's not good, but Pacino. I'm not going <laughs> to... Uh, and then uh, last one before I get into like the FYC stuff that I saw this week. I saw Wonka. Can't really say too much about it. I liked it. The trailers are terrible, but the movie, it's very much a Paul King movie. If you like the Paddington movies, it's harmless. I had a great time with it. I was talking to Jack off the line. It's very more Willie than Charlie in terms of entertainment and value. I, I, had, a, I had a really good time with it. Uh, oh, and on the plane, I saw uh, Jean Dubarry, which is fucking terrible it's it's terrible i also saw showing up which i fucking hated i hated every second i i could have told you not to watch that it's oh i hated it i hated it uh goddamn pigeon god fucking damn pigeon um and let me see and now the fyc stuff um i saw american fiction hunter was right i didn't like it at all um Uh, I didn't like it. I actually kind of thought you would like it a little more. I'm going to be honest. I was surprised at how much you... First did, 20 minutes... You didn't didn't like it, but like I thought you'd be a little higher. First 20 minutes, I was all in, and then I just com- it kind of fell off. I, I, I thought if you're going to be a satire, kind of stick with the satire. The family drama side story just didn't work for me. Um, mm-hmm. Society of the Snow, my goddamn movie is so good. That's international mm-hmm. contender to the max. That movie is phenomenal. Uh, I went four out of five on it. It's... um. There's a 1993 version with Ethan Hawke. Uh, the whole cast was whitewashed. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but it's it's uh, Society of Snow is really good. Giant Johnny J. Boyana is a director. I think it's 
gonna. I don't think it's gonna win because Zone of Interest is there, but I think it's a very big international contender. Uh, I saw Ferrari, and yeah, man, yeah. What do you hey, say, Jack? That biggest comedy of the year. Those two scenes, though. Two. I don't want to. I don't wanna say exactly what they are. The two uses of visual effects in the movie. How about that? Not good, man. Yeah, someone that I'm someone that I'm cool with in the critics community hit me up. He's like, if you went two and a half on a Michael Mann film, I feel bad for the rest of us because I'm, it's not good, not good. Uh, let me see what else. I saw Dicks the Musical and I I hated every second of my life watching that movie. It is one of if it wasn't for Skin and Marink, this be the worst movie of the decade so far. It is terrible. I hated every nothing. Nothing works for me in this movie. Um. I saw Perfect Days, which it's not a Dave movie, so that's all I'll say. Uh, again, another one of those I told you. I would have told you, don't watch that. The uh, first 50 minutes, nothing happens. I went it three stars great. on it it's because great. the last hour is really good, but the first hour, uh, like Hunter said. No. I'm going the opposite. The first hour oh, is the really? part of it. And then once, once the actual like, plot happens, I'm like, no, go back to nothing. It's better that way. <laughs> um, dream Scenario, surprisingly, I didn't like. I thought that would kind of be up my alley. Right. I would think you'd like that. Um, it's a little long. The Royal Hotel, it's not the assistant. I didn't really like it too much. Um, That's fine. And then, uh, surprisingly, the, I, would tell, I told Jack, this would be a movie that would that would be a best picture contender if this was like 1992, 1993, uh, The Burial. Mm-hmm. Well, I, when I watched it, I said, what, whatever I go, second to last podcast, it was ARP sponsored screening for it. That's definitely what it is. The 1992 movie of the year in 2023. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it. I, I had a, it's very nice courtroom drama, which I had a good time with. And then I, to finish up, I, I rewatched Poor Things. I rewatched Maestro. And I may be changing my pick for lead actress after I watched it with Jen. And she's very much more on the, what an Oscar voter would vote for. So mm-hmm. I wanted to get her opinion on it. Uh, she liked uh, Poor Things, but I think she was more more into Maestro, especially Carrie Mulligan. Uh, so it could be one so, of those. I feel bad now for the neon box set you got. You didn't like anything on it. <laughs> um, I know Anatomy of a Fall is in there, so I know I'm going to... That's true, I guess. You've already seen that. But yeah, everything else is just like, nope. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm never watching Ferrari again. Not even on a Michael Mann rewatch. I was so sad. You just don't have to, yeah. And then, it's the unfortunate part. And then a side note, Oppenheimer and Barbie, I rewatch. Oppenheimer is now in my top 50 of all time. I absolutely... Just, <laughs> the movie's so perfect. Uh, and then I, for football fans, I saw the Barry Sanders documentary on Amazon, which... Uh, Barry Sa- Jack, you're new to football. Barry Sanders is probably the greatest running back of all time. Okay. Yeah, that's the best way. Yeah, to- yeah. Like, and as a Packers fan and a Vikings fan, I think we can we we have experience well, with Barry Sanders. It, it helped that I was I, I was born after he retired, so this is like, well, he I didn't have to live through that uh, abuse. Put it this way, Jack. He retired in his prime. He retired at 31. And then he retired in 10 years. He was one year away from breaking the all-time rushing record. The guy that ended up breaking the rushing record didn't break it for another, like, four years before Sanders would have broken it. That's how good Barry Sanders was. Uh, Yeah, the guy was incredible. For fantasy football players, let's just say he would be Christian McCaffrey on steroids. 
that's that's illegal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was was is this a new doc? Yeah, or it's is... brand new. It came out uh, like three oh, weeks okay. ago, so it's definitely worth okay. a watch. Do you even I was I was I was like, wait, was there one already out? I didn't I I didn't remember. But yeah, it's 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 good. But yeah, that's all I have for what we watched. Um, let's get into while we're here. Die Hard, <sighs> Sublime Picture. As as always, first viewing of Die Hard, Mister Renault. What do you got for us? <laughs> so, uh, I first came to Die Hard. I was thirteen. Yes, uh, it was 2012, and this was at the time of my really big action era for movies. So this was the time, Dave, where I thought that like The Expendables was the coolest shit ever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I had barely Whoops. seen. I mean, when you're like 11 years old, it's pretty cool. But uh, I, I'm, I'm gonna be honest too. I probably I I didn't watch the Expendables, but I really did at that age too when it came out. I was like, oh, that looks cool, and never <laughs> just got around to it. Now I'm like, nah, I probably never watched actually. Uh, and at the same time, this was like when I was really starting to like notice actors and other stuff that they did. So I kind of started to see like some of the some of the Stallone, some of the Schwarzenegger movies, and then. My mom told me about Die Hard, and I was like, oh, it's like this random guy who's in like one scene of the movie. Like, okay, like, let's see what it is. And then Professor Snape's in here, too? Like, all right. <laughs> uh, so she rented it one Thanksgiving. Uh, it was, had to have been one of the first R-rated movies that I saw. Um, and it's just become one of my favorite movies since then. Uh, I think it's one of the tightest movies uh, that come to mind, one of the most complete. Uh, we haven't, I don't think we've had a movie where we've really gotten to talk about it a ton. Because the one that really comes to mind with this is Back to the Future, but this movie really gets plants and payoffs done well. Um, and this movie also kind of just replaced Jaws by becoming the default pitch script. So you would have Die Hard, but on a bus. Uh, die mm. hard but in a hospital so on and so forth um but yeah no this movie is just one that i love going back to and one that i've loved just like really kind of picking apart like kind of the craft of it because i've always just appreciated it like on the surface level as an entertaining movie but there's really a lot here when it comes to like cinematography and production design and such awesome mm -hmm. hunter what about you um, I think I was the, almost the exact same age as Jack when I watched it. It was about 10 years ago. I can't remember why, and I can't remember exactly what time of year it was, but my dad showed me this movie at, what, 13, 14 years old. So, you know, the perfect time you should be watching this movie, honestly. It truly is. And I think we watched that, and I think we watched Terminator 2 around the same time, even though I've not seen Terminator 1 still. So Oh, I, that, I, that's I, how it happens. So I'll put it this way. I, I, I know the I know the basic plot is yeah, well, not yeah. even the basic but I very much know Terminator One's plot. So was it like I think it was maybe on TV or some DVD of it we finally watched it. I don't know. I think you're gonna like Terminator One more than Terminator Two. I, I guess. I, I do like Terminator Two. I think it it was one of those at, at that era of my life I was not in the movie, so I had no sacred sacredity of timelines. I was like I didn't care if you watched the second one already, but yeah, so we, we I think we just somehow some way hit off all the bases of 80s and 90s top tier action in a couple weeks there so awesome for me i was about 16 years old so um i remember i bought it on dv i bought it on dvd uh at, at circuit city 
Uh, I bought <laughs> I bought Die Hard. <laughs> I bought Die Hard one, two, and three. Uh, a bundle pack. Bundle. Pack. I was gonna say, was it like one of like the three movie packs? Yeah, because no, that, that was mine when I went to half price yeah. to get it. <laughs> yeah, individually. Hey, those, those bundle like. packs are actually pretty. Some good deals in there. I think there was a Scorsese one I bought a while. Like, like, yeah. yeah. It's like, here's 20 bucks for four Scorsese movies. Like, oh, perfect. That's a great deal. And when I saw it, it was only three diehards. So it definitely was a long time ago. That's that's true. Before 2008 or seven or whatever, that fourth one came out. But yeah, I, I loved it right away. I actually, during that, during that time, and I wrote it in my notes, I, I liked the fact that it took away the prototype of what an action star looks like. Because during that time, we had Schwarzenegger, we had Stallone, we had specific body type. And then John McClane feels like an everyday guy. Uh, so I really I really thought that really worked for the movie. And then Hans Gruber was, I think it's one of the greatest villain performances ever. I think he's phenomenal in this movie. Uh, since then, I mean, it's a yearly tradition. Uh, I've been watching Die Hard since before the discussion was there about it being a Christmas movie. Uh, so it's been, it's been a long time and yeah, Die Hard is, it's one of my favorite action franchises overall. So I really have a good time with the entire franchise except the last one. So this one being a stone cold action masterpiece. I don't think there's a doubt. This is one of the greatest action movies of all time. Uh, production of this movie. So the production of the movie started in 1987 when screenwriter Jeb Stewart was in dire financial status. He's he's a script purchased by Columbia pictures had been abandoned at a, and a contract that Walt Disney Pictures was not providing him with sufficient income. Uh, Stewart has six weeks between contracted work, so his agent contacted Lloyd Levin, the head of development at um, 20th Century Fox. Levin asked Stewart to work on an adaptation of a 1979 novel, Nothing Lasts Forever, written by former police officer Roderick Thorpe. So in this research, I found out that this is an adapted screenplay. Did not... No, yeah, I, I didn't all. know this was based on a, a book. I was like, "What? And, this does not going, screen like a book." Further, it's actually I'm pretty sure it's a sequel. I think there might have been like a movie based on the book that the sequel of the book was based on, with like Frank Sinatra or something. Yes, so read. good pull because oh, uh, oh, okay. Fox originally adapted <laughs> the book's 1966 predecessor, The Detective, in 1968, um, starring Frank Sinatra. As an NYP detective, Joe Leland, and purchased the secret rights, Nothing Lasts Forever, uh, that ultimately turned into Die Hard. I'm telling you, this is actually one of the best researches I've done because I knew nothing about this stuff. So weird, yeah. Um, Levin gets Stewart creative freedom. However, and this goes into the Christmas narrative of it all, he, as, he had creative freedom as long as he retained a Christmas in Los Angeles setting, which I do think the Christmas of it all makes adds a lot to this movie uh it, it does i yeah. wonder what why was it why was it contractually obligated if this movie was, was like a summer movie too that's right like, yeah, it, it didn't come out in like july july so, yeah. so like week. so why would christmas be a contractual obligation I, way back in the screenplay like it had to yeah i don't care you might mention is it in the book that it is christmas or something yeah and also i think too a lot of the events that lead to the events of the movie happening actually have to do with the holiday because, I mean, it's a holiday party. Yeah, I guess, part and of he's it. Going for the holidays. and they're split well, up. Yeah. But he's like John McClane split off from Holly, but John is flying in for the holidays. Like, it, yeah. like there's a lot of this movie that makes okay. it 
feel like a like it's a wonderful life is the perfect example of like if that's a christmas movie then this should be a christmas movie because it's a wonderful life really has nothing to do with christmas until the final 25 minutes of the movie literally know so the movie it becomes the epitome of a christmas then it movie, does then it does then it absolutely does becomes the top tier a1 steak sauce kind of movie right there ironically jack mentioned in passing like of his thought the idea of like now after this movie everything was seen as die hard in this die hard in that but before mm-hmm. this they actually pitched it as rambo in an office building which there you go first blood came out it is yeah <laughs> it is yeah um, a fan of prominent actor John Wayne, Stewart was inspired to carry a Western motif throughout the script, which I do think there is kind of that there. Very low grade, I mean, but not. There's a final even standoff. The, even the dialogue. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Um, so I'm trying to see if there's anything worth else noting. Uh, uh, John McTiernan ended up directing, who directed a lot of solid action movies. Look up his Wikipedia. He's had quite the life after his. He stopped well, directing. Don't don't look at his personal life. I guess yeah, <laughs> some real real stuff going on there. Um, not but, like um, not like cancel him or anything, but just some like no. Well, he's been legally canceled. How about that? I think he he did go to jail or not. Uh, I believe I so. But if not, it was close. Um, yeah. The a lot of McLean's uh, character was not fully realized until halfway through production, which kind of makes sense. It feels like a lot of this stuff was, <laughs> was it's just made up. <laughs> uh, but yeah, outside of that, there are some casting news I'm, I'm going to get to later, which are at, to quote Jack Renault, fascinating. <laughs> and yes, Al Pacino it's, it's is something. one of them. He is, le- he is legitimately among the names. <laughs> uh. I'm like, great. Now we get to hear, I, I wait the line readings. That's true. What what was I mean before Heat? Did Pacino do like action movies kind of uh, stuff? Scar- do you count Scarface? I was gonna say that's the closest. I think that's the closest. Because yeah, see, yeah, probably was. The final scene is probably the yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That's what I'm trying to think of. There's anything before the final scene no. that would make it more than action? Sea but, of Love. But there's a lot of stuff going on. Sea of Love. He plays a cop. And I think that's probably the closest thing. Because yeah, okay. cruising, he plays a cop, but cruising is not an action. Like I'm trying to think, like name on the poster, summer blockbuster, trying to make a ton of money, Al Pacino. <laughs> I was like, I don't think he'd done that before this. But Pacino this doing McLean like yippee ki yay, motherfucker. Like I can. That's what goddamn heat is. <laughs> that's what he. That's all this. <laughs> so good. Um, it was great. Maestro's Corner. Uh, curious because Jack is the classical music guy out of the three of us. Uh, so before hiring composer Michael Kamen, McTierney knew he wanted to include Beethoven's Ninth. Uh, having heard it in Stanley Kubrick's A Clockwork Orange, uh, Kamen objected to tarnishing the piece in an action film and offered to misuse German composer Richard Wagner's music instead. Once McTiernan explained how the Ninth Symphony had been used in A Clockwork Orange to highlight ultraviolence, Kamen had a better understanding of McTiernan's ex- intentions. Overall, the, I, honestly, the scores, whatever, I just the use of Ninth was what stands out to me like a little little, little discrimination there beethoven sacred oh, wagner fuck him oh, fuck him. we can do whatever we want to he was like yeah i don't have no problem tarnishing like this like right of the valkyries i don't care like get rid of it yeah. uh jack you, know, you sound you was, sound you sound like a 1940s sportscaster right now so distant <laughs> that, that, that wasn't the only oh no jack i'm serious you sound like you're very far away right now hang on 
on. There you go. Uh, Much better. There. Okay. Uh, I guess that was it. Um, but that wasn't the only piece from A Clockwork Orange he sampled for the movie, because apparently, and I haven't been able to find this, but I need to look harder. Apparently, Singing in the Rain is in there somewhere. Really? I, I, yeah. I, 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 was, I saw that a bunch in the reading, and I just I thought back as hard as I could, and I just couldn't like think of it. I tried to look it up. I couldn't find it, but... No, and then yeah, I, I I love the score. I guess I'll say um, it's not one that really like has a long-lasting impression like in my head. Like it's not one that I think back to like most of the scores that we like talk about. But it just really really works in the moment. I think similar to the Fugitive, it just kind of like yeah, like, that's good. The whole like sneaking mm-hmm. around kind of aspect, like plucked strings. Um, and I guess the other thing I'll kind of say, which I'll harp back on this when we get to the holiday debate, but the use of like, like Winter Wonderland, like when it like pops up in the score, like that's another just like little touch that like leans me more into that direction. Because like plot and everything is a conversation that is individual, I think. But that I think is something that like really has the idea that I think it was meant to be a Christmas movie. I know we're going to, like, I was going to save that for the, just, I guess, peaks. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. what's age the best and, like, Mount Rushmore, but Let It Snow, the use of Let It Snow is, mm. is oh, yeah. we're yeah. going to talk about yeah. that later. Uh, what about you, Hunter? What are your thoughts? I, actually, I had the Thomas Knight in here. The, the, unfortunately, the Ode to Joy part of it is to be the most overused song in Christmas action movie trailers <laughs> of all time. <laughs> And unfortunately, yeah. it's now kind of like like the music producer, or whatever guy said, is like, yeah, now we're uh, uh, kind of uh, tarnishing Beethoven's music. Where that new John Woo movie, Silent Night, has it in the trailer. That last year's movie by David Harbour, Violet Night, had it in the trailer. <laughs> yes, it did. God, they have Die Hard, the last Die Hard movie, whatever it's called. Live, not Live Fear Die Hard. What's the last one called? I, a Good Day good to Die day. Hard. Die that hard, yeah. that one was the trailer song for it. It's just like uh, b- boring now. But, you know, it, it it became boring because this movie pioneered it and then everyone thought they could do it and they couldn't. Can't. I agree. Uh, in terms of release, like you guys mentioned, the movie was released on July 15, 1988 with a $35 million budget. It grossed $141 million. Now, that was good Guess enough for yes 10th place Ooh, uh so i yeah. did so i will put it this way um uh, without looking it up i will tell you the number one movie of the year one best picture oh, uh, I, yeah, I, 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 I was I, gonna i was gonna I, show off i was like rain man because rain man was I, I, huge because there was a video essay that made that like a big point about like yeah. like oh yeah like look at this but yeah three, rain man grossing number one three hundred correctly 354, by the way, on Rayman. God damn. Never, I never happened. I'm still always amazed by this. I know it's not long ago. I'm trying, I'm treating it like it was a bygone era, but like movies that play in theaters for like eight months and just just make $350 million over the whole year. I was like, that's cool. Was Roger Rabbit number two? Which is what my expectation was for it to be number one. That's what I thought was number one. Yeah, that was my thought too. Because um, we'll talk about that more later. I, but. I would say Coming to America should be I. Only because when I looked at the Wikipedia, it was actually opening right next to Die Hard. I, I remember that, that was number three. And, okay. then, and then we have, yeah. then we get weird. Number four is Crocodile Dundee Part 2. 
I mean, all right, I knew those. I knew those movies were popular, but yeah. number four of the year four, for the yeah. sequel, I'll I'll give I it that. Some of the stuff that comes next. So number five and surprising. number five and six, not really shock. Number five, not shocking. Number five was Twins, which is Arnold was like oh, yeah. a machine. Yeah. So oh, that, yeah, okay. Com- yeah. Comedy yeah. Arnold. Yeah. Wait, no, what, yeah. No, which I'll get into. Was a l- this like his? Was this like his first? Like, yep. Okay, okay. And I'll get into why that about that later. Number six, not oh, shocking yeah. either. Rambo three. I mean, Rambo was a huge thing, and Sly yeah. was number seven. Very shocking. A fish called Wanda was number really? seven. Really? Hey, good. That's. I mean, it's a great movie. Love that movie. Number eight. Two more to go before Die Hard. Number eight. It's all about Cochran's Law because Cocktail was number eight at the box office. <laughs> So, nobody, nobody liked like no critics liked so that movie. So that's kind of crazy. Yeah, <sighs> Tom Cruise, man, living it up. And as a fan of Cocktail, I'm very happy. I didn't know this, so I was actually. Very I happy. did. Not, I thought it kind of bombed. I was going to be honest. I thought it's number eight. Number nine is also not shocking. It's big. I thought that would big. be a lot higher. Oh, Dang. And then, Di- and then Die Hard was number Hard. number ten. Um, God, cocktail or Die Hard? You tell me which one made more money. <laughs> what would I pick? Not Cocktail. Now, I will tell you I prefer Die Hard over Cocktail, but it's just nice oh, to see Cocktail yeah. on that list. Crazy. Um, Die Hard is the highest in the franchise on Ryan Tomatoes at 94%. And at the Oscars, uh, 1989 Academy Awards, Die Hard was nominated for film editing, uh, VFX, sound effects, and best sound, so not too mm-hmm. shabby. I did not think it had... the, the the usual Oscar Hall or nomination Hall for big blockbusters. I think that the Fugitive had like the exact same nominations actually. Probably no, in, like, plus picture, in, like, picture, picture director. Like, oh, yeah, and, no. and and one supporting actor. Jesus Christ! All right, cut cut this five seconds <laughs> out so I look smarter because <laughs> I forgot all that. Jack's favorite, 2017, Die Hard was selected. By the Library of Congress to be preserved by the National Film Registry. We do, we do we have to do a research episode on like the Library of Congress's how they decide this because I want we want we gotta get in on this process. Okay, no, there, there's a really good documentary I've talked. To oh, okay, good. Dave yes, you have. Yeah. It's called These Amazing Shadows. It essentially just talks about like the Library of Congress, kind of goes in depth okay. with like those like, the I, movies I, I actually, itself, I'm, and then like some of the documentaries and weird stuff too. So it's really good. I'm, Oh uh, yeah, I was curious to how they do it because I only hear about the big movies. I'm like, I f- I feel like they got to be doing for small movies and stuff like that. So yeah. I'm actually curious what they. It's like AFI where there's actually what was last year's? Did Library of Congress release what they did last year? They did. Uh, they did. Yeah. I think oh, it's, it's a... about that time for. Yeah. Oh, I think the Dark Knight made it last. I think the Dark Knight. Right, made it. that's what it was. But some of the movies that Maybe became the Die Hard. After Die Hard, some of the movies that became the Die Hard on a location. So we had Under Siege, Die Hard on a Battleship, which I actually do like. Uh, Cliffhanger, Die Hard on a Mountain. Cliffhanger rocks. (laughs) We're not going to touch on it this year, obviously, but Cliffhanger fucking rocks. The opening scene of that movie is some of the best tension of all action movies in the 90s. It's pretty insane. Then we get to like Die Hard on a bus with speed, which speed. is, yeah. and then finally Die Hard on a plane with 1997's Air Force One, which is another immaculate yeah. that's film. A good, that's a good film as well. Um, the Christmas movie discussion. So, I have one, one more thing to yeah, add. In go for it, real quick. I have some discouraging news, guys. Our oh, good no. friend, 
Mr. Roger Ebert. Oh, I have that later. He did not like this oh, movie. Good. No, he did not. No. And I, I read his review, and it seems that his big ish, his biggest problem with the movie seems to just be Paul Gleason. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, he, he essentially was just, like, talking about how, like, ineffective his character was. And I'm just like, yeah, no, you're preaching to the choir, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's uh, part of it, to be honest. So... In terms of the Christmas movie, there are polls that have been conducted about this. Um, some are lean, yeah, a lot. Some lean yes, some lean no. Uh, one in 2017, only 31 percent uh, believe that it's a Christmas movie. On the film's 30th anniversary in 2018, 20th Century Fox stated it was the greatest Christmas story ever told, releasing a re-edited Die Hard trailer that portray- portrays a traditional Christmas movie. Um, I wonder what song they use for the trailer. I'm guessing. <laughs> I'm gonna guess. I have not seen it, but I am ready for it. <laughs> as someone that loves Christmas movies, adjacent as I call them, uh, I I do think it's a Christmas movie. It's just for when Christmas mo- when Christmas is the setting is not just a backdrop to it, but actually is important to the plot of yeah. getting all the parties together. I think I wouldn't even say like. I wouldn't even call that Christmas at Jace. I think that's more in line with it. I think Christmas at Jace is more like a backdrop, like Batman Returns. Eyes, eyes wide shut. Yeah. 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 There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you do? Do you think it's a Christmas movie, Jack? Eyes wide shut. No. Uh, this movie. Or Die Hard. Yeah. Um. Uh, in this household, it is. Same here. Uh, I, I, I can, I can see the arguments for why it's not, and like it's not like directly one so i can understand why it's not but i think it is just like so ingrained in the holiday like plot is relevant to it the music is relevant to it several plot points like individual like the body in the elevator for example like all you we can make the argument all the time for like we talk all the time about home alone and how it's like oh he could have like been left at home at like like the 4th of July, for example, going on summer vacation. But like, what's like the joke there for like, like Valentine's Day? If he finds the body in the elevator, it's like that. Like it's made for like the holiday. I think. Yeah, because Home Alone, that's another one that I, I, I love that you brought that up. Because Home Alone, I think, uh, who is, oh, Bill Simmons doesn't think it's a Christmas movie. And that's, yeah, that's yeah. asinine. Like no one takes a family trip like that unless it's the holidays. They don't go on 4th of July weekend with like 30 people. And they're like, we're going to go to France. That just doesn't happen. So the Christmas aspect is the very important to Home Alone. But yeah, what about you, Hunter? Do you think it's a Christmas movie? Um, I do, and I also will admit this is maybe my least favorite debate topic that any YouTube channel ever does on anything. <laughs> so I mean, I think if we ever do, um, I think we have done it on um, fuck, what's Cinefors. it called? League of Cinephiles. There you go, Cinephiles. Yeah. We've had too much of an off season. I forgot about it. If there was that topic, I would just. Yeah, forfeit and be like, I don't care. (laughs) I I, I think it is, but I also maybe probably I just don't care if people say it is or isn't. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't matter. And I only really, I've I've, I've uh, adopted it as I only watch it during Christmas now, too. So that's fine. Um, It's pretty much like, I mean, it's pretty much responsible for like any sort of argument with, like, I looked up, like, I just for like my own research versus, I looked up, I'm like, what makes a Christmas movie? And surely enough, and I'm not exaggerating, 
Die Hard was referenced in either the title or the first like 15 words of the first like six articles I <laughs> they, found. They knew. They and knew. I'm just like, yeah, like it's literally yeah. just this. <laughs> All right. I, uh, Jack, what's age the best? Oh boy. Um, obviously, title. I, I think it's like. Like nowadays, I think people would just find it be like generic, but it's just so perfect, honestly. Uh, you kind of mentioned it earlier, uh, diverting the action hero, uh, the vulnerable everyday man becoming the norm. Uh, Alan Rickman's film the debut being mm-hmm. this damn good, uh, I just really, really love. I really love. Okay, Bruce Willis's delivery of motherfucker. Specifically, <laughs> and more on this, I guess I'll go on and tie this in. Uh, the elevator explosion, I maybe my hot take of the movie. I like that explosion more than the roof one. I the mm-hmm. chair going down the elevator, preceded by Geronimo motherfucker, and then like <laughs> the, rea- the reactions from everybody, and then followed by. Um, Paul Gleason's like they're covered in glass. Uh, that whole exchange, everything that follows. Um, you have the great lead villain, but a really distinct line of henchmen. I think is another really strong suit of this movie because it particularly becomes an issue with the later movies uh, when he just starts to kill all the henchmen. Like they just kind of like some start to blend in. Aside from Robert Patrick, of course. Um, so I think this one is much easier kind of with like keeping like the kill count of like, oh, it's like nine versus one now. And oh, it's six versus one. Uh, great lineup of assholes. I already mentioned Paul Gleason, but we also get Richard Thornburg of the news. Uh, Shout out former, to Thornburg. For, for, former, former environmental specialist for New York City. And <laughs> yes, he Deserters. was. <laughs> uh, uh, let me see. The Twinkie product placement. Yes, I have this that too. Like the, one, the one thing that makes me want Twinkies is this movie because I think they're a perfectly fine snack cake. But then I watch this movie and I'm like, yeah, I could go for one about now. And shout out to Powell knowing everything that's in a Twinkie. I actually really like that line delivery. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then lastly, I I actually watched this movie on my laptop the other day. Uh, and I've never watched it with headphones. The sound mix is insane on this. Like, the gunfire, specifically with mm-hmm. the uh, the roof sequence. Like, they're just going between, like, the left and right ears. Like, really, really cool. So, definitely check out the movie. Or, if not, just, like, some scenes in that scenario, too. Awesome. What do you got, Hunter? Um, I'll try best not to overlap. I said use of explosives in movies where it <laughs> it is truly like they put some bombs in there and they let them off. <laughs> and it's really cool to watch it go on there. Um, I said villain actually has a, I would say half decent plan of taking out the, the, the person shoot the glass. It's a great, it's yeah. a, it's one of the best lines. <laughs> I love that line so much where he's like, actually like, Oh, yeah, age the best uh, ways to not have a foot fetish. Watch that scene. <laughs> you will not have one after that because that is disgusting how he gets all that glass in his feet. Um, yeah, I said catchphrases. Uh, let's see. I said um, uh, I put it'll be my Mount Rushmore. I said TV actors transitioning to movies is age the best yeah, way yeah. to do it. We'll we'll, we'll 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 catch up on there on Mount Rushmore though because there'll be those na- actual names I want to throw out in there. Awesome. All right. So for me, uh, I think I had a little fun with this. Uh, 
computer directories and office buildings. Uh, sure, sure. I mean, it's yeah, the 80s, yeah. so computers were na- living large. <laughs> they were doing whatever they could with them. For anyone that watches sports on Christmas, NBA <laughs> basketball during Christmas. Ooh, Wait, that, was it? That's true. Was it basketball? Yeah. It was basketball, yeah. Basketball. And then also football. Okay, so, I was gonna say I thought he was watching football. That was what I was thinking. So when of. I got when fifty bucks spent on the asshole. When Theo walks in, uh, he's talking about the Lakers playing the oh, that's right. the, the, the 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 Lakers playing the Celtics that night. And Ooh. then they, they, why there was they also the party. Go to the game. Come on. And then there was a football conversation. Um, females in executive positions. That's aged really well. Holly was an executive at this 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 company. During that time, not a lot of female executives. I don't want to say age best or worst, but Japanese company in the 1980s, like that was that seemed like a big thing. Everyone in America, especially. Um, Jack, you mentioned this man before. Sleazy news reporters, aka now known as TMZ. That's I guess age best or age the worst. Um, all right. Um, oh, here we go. Uh, oh, actually, would you ca- before I get there? Do you count this as a heist film? Because what we know, Gruber's actual yeah, motive. I'd, I'd say so. he's pulling off a heist. That's what he's trying to do. So I would put this as age of best heist films. I think this is a top tier Mount Rushmore heist film. We'll talk so, about later. All right. So obviously, Heat is on the left. Number one. Mount Rushmore. Heat is number, number one. one. Yeah, it's, I was like, no doubt, no doubt. What about? Action movie final boss battles. Do you count? Because, but Jack, you aren't that big on that end, right? Of Die Hard? Yeah. No, I love it. Uh, no, I'm trying to think of what else, like, what would, like, top it. Aliens? Like, it's... Oh. Yeah. The, that the, might the, be the, the one. Cool. I think that's number in, one, for in sure. In terms of the final boss, it's probably because it is actually, like, the final boss. It is the final see. boss, yeah. Uh, yeah. Lethal, what, which lethal weapon is it where it's the diplomatic immunity guys had three or two? I can't remember. I don't remember. That's, a, that's, that's a another good just, one, too. Just because that's just like synonymous line reading and everything about like that's how you, that's how you end the movie is like, yeah. Perfect choice, too, with um, the another holiday uh, discussion because lethal weapon yeah. also plays, takes place during yeah, Christmas. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Here we go. Harry Ellis's attempted business ethics oh and God. tactics. Um, I do think that Harry Ellis is a very misunderstood character in this story. Um, he just wants to be on the lookout for the company and for all the other workers in the company by trying to negotiate with Hans Gruber. Unfortunately, it does not go well for him. But his business ethics and tactics are to be warned, are to be commended. Jack, you're making a face. I knew when I was rewatching this, I was like, I always think about like what I'm going to say during the podcast. <laughs> Ellis popped up. I forgot about him. And I was like, oh, that's a that Gonzo's going to have some words on this guy. And it's probably going to be for the good. Uh, Which problematic take will he have on this movie? <laughs> that's not 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 actually problematic, but will piss yeah, us yeah, off, maybe. And, 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 and in effect, which character that probably doesn't deserve hate is Gonzo probably yeah, going to defend. I got it. Open, open, open a goddamn law firm for these movie studios so you can be their social media people for these characters. Like, hey, guys. And in terms, of the, in, in terms of the ethics, I mean... We, I wasn't there, but I'm pretty sure he did just like break into Holly's office to just like do cocaine. Like I'm I, not sure she. Knew I do have that in What's Age of the Worst. He does not get a well, full. Nineteen eighties, so it's it's probably it was probably unspoken. Like yeah, it's the eighties. Cocaine, do it in my office. Who cares? Whatever. <laughs> yeah. 
But yes, I'm a big Harry Ellis fan, and I do love his ad lib yeah. pond booby baby. Say, <laughs> him, the one scene of his I do really like is him like getting the fucking coke from the from the fucking terrace. And it's just like. Uh, but what's AIDS the worst? I you know I have fun here. Uh, snorting cocaine in an office setting without locking your door. If you're gonna do it, just true, lock the door. Yeah. Simple. True, at least lock the door. Yeah. Uh, smoking cigarettes with the window closed in a moving car. Because McLean's smoking a cigarette oh, with Argyle. Gross. Um, yeah, it's gross. And the incompetent LA Police Department outside of Powell. Uh, well, well, from what we know of the LA Police Department in real life, they're they're it's pretty on brand that they're doing oh, that this bad true. job. <laughs> um, <laughs> underage limo drivers. How old is Argyle? Because he looks he's about like sixteen <laughs> yeah. years old. Yeah. And finally, <clears throat> Holly Gennaro. She's a terrible wife. She's awful. Mm. It, it's it's listen. If me as as my wife stares a hole up down me, Holly Gennaro <laughs> moves to L.A. to get a, to get a promotion. Fully respect that. I, I am, Looks like a good I job am, too. I am pro yeah. getting a good job. He, I I love being interrupted when I'm making my point about Kate Corleone, Holly Gennaro. Same thing oh. at this point. No, no, K is much better. No, K is K doesn't worse. lose anything. K, K does. She has an abortion. I don't support Michael in those movies. I don't go like, yes, Michael is the hero of Godfather Part Two. Yes. I think. Listen, <laughs> that's what makes him a great character, though, because he's not a good guy. <laughs> I think the reason I, always, I I I hate to get to Godfather Two, but because we're months away from this, and I'll get to that's it again it. in Godfather Two. One last Add comment. It to the list. It's already seven hours long anyway. One last comment. <laughs> I would be if they weren't gonna if she didn't have the intention of leaving him and we know what happens in Godfather Three, that she ends up with Mary and Anthony at sole custody of the kids, right? Why the fuck do you have an abortion? Have the baby. You know Michael's not gonna keep it. It's not gonna go to Michael anyway, it's gonna be yours. God damn Kate Corleone, I can't wait to but what happens to Mary? She gets sucked into this world and dies. <laughs> so why would you want to spawn more people into this world that, Gen- that are going to eventually do that and get taken away from you in the most horrific way possible? Jenny's here defending Kay Corleone. I do not appreciate it. Okay, good. And now she gets Corleone. a firm invite on the pod because we need more people <laughs> for this because this is not good. <laughs> she, Jenny should probably come on for the Godfather 2 next year because I'm yes. pro, yeah. yeah. She's she's anti Fredo but pro Kay Corleone. I do not appreciate oh, this. Fredo, do not appreciate the anti Fredo oh. comment. That argument I would like to hear, though. Yeah, the, I mean, I've never heard that one. What, the pro Fredo? The anti Fredo. Oh, she thinks she should have been whacked, and she has no she has no remorse for him getting no, killed. No, no, no problem I, getting. Yeah. Makes I me mean, makes me cry every time. Poor goddamn Fredo yeah. just wanted to fish and say his his rosaries. God damn it! Anyway, Holly Gennaro, Hail Mary, sorry. Uh, um, yeah. Holly Gennaro gets his job, and what's the first thing she do? She does. She changes her goddamn last name. She's still McLean. They're not divorced. Keep the McLean name. It just rubbed me the wrong way, and but she does make it up towards the end, so not fully a terrible wife. But yeah, uh, that might go in the age of the worst category as well for me. <laughs> oh, what her? You, you kill a bunch of bad guys and you get your wife back. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, that is true. That <laughs> is true. <laughs> is that how it works? <laughs> uh, Jack, what do you got here? Yeah, th- this was really just like nitpicking. Uh, I can't say I have tried the fist with your toes. Does not work. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
I will say probably just like the one moment of like unbelievability with like the action is McLean falling down the vent. Yeah. And managing to get that grab. That's like the one moment where I'm like, okay, like maybe mm. a little bit of a stretch, but everything else is just like really, really grounded. Um, and I guess the other thing, the, the last kind of thing that I've just kind of picked up on doing some reading this morning, where did that ambulance come from at the end? It just spawned in, and I'm like, did they just have that in the back, too, just like <laughs> in the truck? Like, I, I don't even know. They just had one of the in Fox building. <laughs> uh, what about you, Hunter? Do you got anything? Uh, I think mine was a little bit – I think part of – any of the critics who didn't like this movie might have been uh, sharing these beliefs. I do think that the whole, like, John and Holly get back together at the very end of the movie, even though – nothing about their marriage has been reconciled except for that john saved her in the day and now he looks cool because he's such a action star it's a little yeah. bit but it's again 80s action movie i'm not looking for depth it's not also not the kindest way to portray female characters but if you're going in this movie you're not really going oh, for yeah. that and i do find it again slight nitpick how um what's his name the guy who um shot a kid oh what yeah pal 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 the only way to, to get over your fear of shooting kids is to shoot more people. That's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? But again, it's like, I don't, I don't care. It's not, I'm not poking holes in this movie. I'm not here for, I, I'm here for a good time, not a smart time. Yeah, for sure. All right. Joe Spinell, that guy award. I have th- two contenders and that's as a, uh, I was much older than you guys as a huge TV watcher of the nineties and eighties. Uh, so we, yeah. So we have Reginald Vell Johnson as Al Powell, a.k.a. Carl Winslow from Family Matters, who he also plays a cop in. Uh, And specifically for me, Clarence Gilliard, who played Conrad on Matlock, who I watched. You're older than me, but I don't know if you're that older than me for Matlock. Matlock is my shit. And I remember remember watching Matlock before I ever saw Die Hard. And I was like, oh, shit, it's Conrad. But those are my two. What do you got, Jack? I have have William Atherton. Because it would it would literally just be like these two movies I know in front of go back between Die Hard and Ghostbusters, Die Hard and Ghostbusters, and yeah, him popping. Uh, I saw this first, so then when he pops up for the for the dickless line in Ghostbusters, it's just for, it, you you got like the extra the extra heat from all the Die Hard stuff in the back of the head, so you're just like mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> and what what about you, Hunter? What do you got? Mine was Reginald Vell Johnson, only because when I first saw this movie, I've never seen Family Matters, but I know of it. And I've seen, you know, you see pictures of it. I'm like, guy in the cop uniform looks kind of familiar somehow. <laughs> and then you look it up like, oh, he was on 250 episodes of Family Matters as a cop. I was like, oh, that makes a little more sense now. Even if you hadn't seen Family Matters, you still like know who he is because it's a very popular show. For sure. Um, all righty. Al Martino Miscast Award. <laughs> Jack, do you have anyone here? This was tough because it was just like it, I would have to pull from like really small like bit people because I think like the top casts are all like really really good and then like if I had any issues with like like a henchman for example I would have to think of somebody of like equal like fame I suppose to like not detract but no it's hard I I looked at all the casting what ifs and even still I was like nah I. I still like Bruce Willis more than all, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good here. I don't have anything here. Hunter, do you have anything? 
I was only one of those where it was like it looks all miscast on paper, kind of ish. <laughs> but then you watch the movie, you're like, no, perfectly cast. Like, yeah. like Alan Rickman shouldn't really be playing German characters. You wouldn't think that. And you watch the movie, you're like, no, he's perfectly line deliveries. Everything is so perfect. The way this movie is, the tone of this movie, and the the lane it's driving down, he's perfect as one of the villain for it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Maurice Joire music moment. Is it Beethoven's? Or do you have anything else? That was that was fine for the exact reasons of like spawn the overuse for use of it. And I look, I just looked it up. The 30th anniversary trailer you talked about did not use Ode to Joy in it, so it's just some generic 80s song. Oh, good. So, I guess I guess good on them. They didn't double dip after using it in the trailer for their last movie. Uh, Jack, do you have anything here? For what category? Sorry. Uh, music moment. Oh. uh... I had Ode to Joy too, but we've talked about that enough. The obvious honorable mention is Christmas and Hollis. Yes. Uh, my first mm. introduction to this song and has stayed on my Christmas playlist since. Uh, I, and it's also that, too, the Christmas debate. If they have Christmas music in the movie, it's like, yeah. come on, you know. <laughs> it's really hard to debate against that at that point. I didn't. I did. I was going to put Let It Snow because it's the end credit. I didn't really want because it really wasn't used in yeah. the movie. Um, Black Turtle Night Guy Award. So is... Hart Bachner as Harry Ellis in too long to be in here. Uh, he feels like he does I, die, so I, I guess I guess it counts enough. I think he has. Yeah, I, sure. I think he just has like too many important scenes. Where Black Turtle, that guy is like, how many scenes of Black Turtle, that guy is he like the sole focus on? None. Thing. Like he gets, he gets one. Yeah, only when he gets yeah. shot. That's really it. That's the only time the camera is just on and, him, and that's and when he's dead. He's just in the background. So yeah. I think he's a little too significant for the yeah for the category, but uh, I went with the fist with your toes guy. Okay. But then also, also, also the henchman who gets the crunch bar during the shootout. <laughs> uh, that's another really good touch. All right, and Hunter, do you have anyone here? I went with Clarence Gilliard Jr., who plays Let's go. Theo, who oh. also got to play, he got to be in Top Gun, so good on him. Oh, he was in Top Gun. I forgot about that, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's yeah. a good, good spell. Now, I actually, I watched Top Gun last year. I don't remember if he dies in Top Gun or not, so that's the problem. Oh, I don't remember I was like, either. damn, he did. Well, he's also, oh, he died. Well, he died 2022. It's yeah, he recently died, yeah. Uh, I was like, he didn't get to be in the sequel, unfortunately. But I guess no one did besides Cruz and, and Val Kilmer, I guess. All righty. Uh, Thomas Mitchell Supporting Award. Is it Alan Rickman? And that's it, right? Oh, yes. I mean, he supporting. Yeah. Is he supporting? But, like, I guess he's that not seems, a poster. That, yeah. I mean, it's, 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 you know, Bruce Willis and then everyone else. Um, MVP of the film. I do you want to just say Alan Rickman? <laughs> but I, I had Alan Rickman. I was like, it could have been so boring of yeah. a villain. And honestly, half the reason it's not even, I think to me, more than half the reason this movie is so good is because Alan Rickman is just chewing it up. Yeah. 
I do think Bruce Willis is very good in this, though. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. he's very good, and I think I think you get a good movie like with just Bruce Willis. But I think it's Alan Rickman and the villains that really. I, it's also movie. a bit of where Bruce Willis would go on to play this character, like not this character, but like what he did, but like this type of action star in so many movies, and some of them are so forgettable because there's no good villain in them. And then when you have Alan Rickman here, it's like, well, it's it's still coincidence that this movie's so great when you have such a good villain like this. And Alan Rickman would do it again with Kevin Costner in Robin Hood movie, which is not a great movie, but he's so fun in that movie as well, where he's really elevating what is just a fine whatever action movie from the 90s. All righty. And Mount Rushmore. Gents, is this on the Mount Rushmore of action movies? I think yes. I have. Uh, if you want to talk like just pure, pure action 100% movies. 100%. In and out action, yeah. Because I think it's I have Aliens and Terminator Two as one and two, and you can whatever order you want. Ra- and then Ra- Raiders of the Lost Ark is probably yeah, that, I, oh yeah. Th- that's like one that like you can. It's it's not as much of an action movie compared to the others, mm-hmm. like yeah, the other, like movies we're I, talking about. If you want to call that one like action adventure, adventure. kind of thing, yeah. yeah, you know, if you want to, I would say like you know Fury Road, Fury Road's up there. Now. Well, Fury Road, yeah. <sighs> I do. Pref- if you I, want to I, talk just pure adrenaline. That is. I, I do mean, like this over Fury Road, but that's because it's just a straight up like yeah. you know. Yeah, they're about within like they're within like fifteen spots of each other in like my top fifteen. Mad Max and Die Hard. So yeah. yeah, it's tough, but I think Die Hard's probably a lock for that Mount Rushmore. Not a Mount Rushmore for me, but I did want to bring it up. Chris Mount Rushmore of a Chris- Christmas movies. I I know because <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah, you got it's it's a wonderful life. A Christmas um, story, Christmas story. I, 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 oh yeah, mine's gonna differ a lot actually. Yeah, yeah. I, so mine would be Christmas Vacation, It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, we'll say Carol because sure, why not? And yeah. I don't. Uh, Peanuts Christmas. There you go. That's, yeah, I, that's okay. I was, I was gonna say I'm breaking the rules because even though it's like a forty, it's a forty minute TV special, but I don't give a shit. It's, I it's too I good. can't do that without a. Without at least one special in there, so it's like the fact we get to talk about uh, next holiday season, we get to talk about Christmas vacation is going to be sublime. Uh, We've talked about my thoughts on that movie, right? I think you better not say anything bad. I didn't think it was bad, but I've gradually gotten more warm. No, I, I said oh, more warm. Okay, I saw good. that movie when I was 15, 14, uh, 15 or sixteen, and I did. I liked it. I didn't love it. As I've become more of an adult, it just—it's an all-timer. It's an absolute <laughs> that, all-timer. I, that and ABC Family just inflates it. Like, yeah. December, like, yeah. It's all, I was like, play something else. Please. Like you, you know, your movie's fucking great when you have one of the most despicable characters and human beings in the history of movies, <laughs> and like you still like oh. floored. Kill cousin Eddie? Is that we what all you have, would have done? Because we all have a cousin Eddie. A cousin Eddie, so it kind of. Yeah. It, it I, I'll be honest. That, that is probably the movie I've seen the most in my life. Like minimum, I've seen it at least thirty times. And it's we not six it every, hours. That's and, great. I know. That's the thing. We watch it with our family every holiday. It's on TV, and then we'll watch on DVD because you get the f words in there that'll make it a little more fun. <laughs> And it's, I've probably seen it, so and I'll probably watch it twice this next coming week. That is me which with is the fine. Christmas story, so I, I, I told you. And I'm on the exact opposite, where that comes on the TV, I'm like, get it the hell away from me. <laughs> oh, get it, get so it, go, turn it to something else. It's Christmas Day, basketball's on, we're watching that, we're not watching 24 hours of Christmas story. I think the problem is, too, because like what, uh, what I usually do 
outside of last year because Harley was born was I do till like one o'clock, two o'clock. I do Christmas Story, and then I put the NBA on. But last year's games, uh, the games haven't been really that great lately. No, they have Christmas Day. No, now like halftime, and then it's and the football, the football games, the football games on Christmas this year suck. I don't think it's a good Christmas. Yeah. So it's it's a uh, tough day. It, it, it's one of those. It was, I grew up, it was always Kobe Bryant was on Christmas yep. Day. And then Same. obviously LeBron. And that was that was great. And now it's not there anymore. It's just like, oh. And you always jack for like, you're not a big basketball fan. But like there's like a big, there was always like, like Hunter said, huge marquee game at 3.30. So you yeah. throw everything down that you're doing and you're going to watch this game. Not You don't have that anymore. I That's, mean, I'll be honest too. We watch basketball. There's six basketball games at Christmas. Four of them don't matter. Yep. Fuck them. Who 100%. cares? Like there's, there's two big ones that actually made sense. There was like Heat Lakers. I'm like, perfect. LeBron, Kobe. That's what we're watching on Christmas Day. And the worst but part yeah. is like the second game is like at 9 o'clock at night. Yeah, it's never, yeah. Uh, but they yeah. did do it. They they did do it for th- three years in a row. ABC showed the Pirates of the Caribbean movies on Christmas night. I don't know why they did it's it, random. but somehow I watched for three consecutive like, years. I watched the, I watched Black Pearl like in like 2007, and then uh, Dead Man's Chest was 2008, and then World's End was like 2009. I was like, oh, that's Speaking how I first watched the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. We didn't get to touch on it this year for the anniversary, but like. I've I've seen and Jack, you're not on Twitter that much. I know Hunter is is on it with me. Um, the reappraisal of the sequels of that franchise in terms of how good the CGI is, I'm I'm actually getting turned over to that side. Just seeing clips of of the sequels, uh, how the, good. The, the, Davy Jones is like insane, incredibly yeah. well made character. I I'm totally fine with that. I want to give should. those I want to give those sequels a shot. I haven't rewatched them in such a long time. This the first one I adore, but like I I I got yeah. want to give these sequels a shot. I, it's been a while. It's it's one of those I've watched cuz literally I haven't watched them since Christmas television at the end 15 years ago. Oh, so wow. I'm like I should probably actually watch them in a decent setting actually. Um all right, is this Mount Rushmore for white tank tops and action films? White beaters. Um, well, <laughs> I, I wanted to use the PC term. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. At the beginning, it's white. By the time it's over, it's like it's bl- flat out gray, brown. black, brown. <laughs> yeah. um, I, 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 I was talking not to my mom about this, but like something about it, and she called it a white beater too. And I looked at her, I was like, whoa, mom, yeah. I didn't say that either. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was is like, this hey. <laughs> Mount Rushmore for the use of Let It Snow in movies? I'm going to say yes. Uh, I. I, I off the top of my head, I can't. Do you have a list of other ones? Because I actually nope, can't think of it right away. Think of anything. Cool. Um, <laughs> All right, it wins. So I got to give props for the fact that um, Mount Rushmore for the use of Twinkies has the same actor in both movies because Ghostbusters is my number one, and then mm. Die Hard is my number two. Jack, as he looks perplexed. I mean, I guess I'm blanking on the Twinkies and Ghostbusters. There is a giant use of. Uh, there's a giant description of like the events that are occurring in New York City, and it's compared to a giant Twinkie. And Spangler, oh, that's right, that's right. Spangler's like describe has a Twinkie in his hand when he's describing it. Uh, <laughs> office Christmas parties, Mount Rushmore office Christmas parties. Scrooge is up there for me. I'm a big fan of that movie. Uh, the, the Muppets Christmas Carol. Carol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's try to think of us another one. I know there's a movie called Office Which Christmas Party, but nobody likes that. that. Sucks. Yeah, so it doesn't count. It doesn't count. So there's it's not a, fine. There's not like a party in Christmas Vacation. It's just like the bonus. Which is fucking no, there's, hilarious. There's no party at the office. No. Yeah. 
That scene is very funny when he goes the into apartment. the office, the same gift. Uh, <laughs> that's good. Yeah, but that's more Christmas that's movie adjacent. That's, that's when we learn. That's when we learn about the. Uh, that's when we learn about like about Fran and like. That's that true. Seeing Baxter, or not Baxter, Sheldrake. That's his name. Mm. That's a good one. Uh, last three year limo drivers. Sure, why not? Oh yeah, Argyle. I, Argyle. Like, I don't think I def- talked about Argyle enough. He's so sick. I love. Him. I feel like there's one that I'm totally forgetting. He's probably but, our black turtleneck guy. Oh, uh, he Argyle. He would, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well. He. Yeah. No, he is because he's kind of the. Kind of the embodiment of one. He just sits in the garage while everything's <laughs> happening above him, and then he gets one moment to like clutch it out at the end with a uh, Theo. Um, uh, and then and then um, fine fire hoses. <laughs> I yeah, got I, mean, I got nothing it's else. Not used for its intended purpose, I guess. But hey, it, it's <laughs> it's a great advertisement for the the fire hose industry. Like, hey, you can use it for anything. And in action movie heroes, I think yes, right. Like John yeah. McClane as an action movie. In terms movie of like definitive like guys, yeah. I think he's like pro- probably the number one. I mean, I guess Rambo is... might be one, but I, I guess or Indiana Jones. I, too. I didn't ask it an hour ago when we started this. When you said um, the writer had total creative freedom outside of the Christmas setting, is this movie pretty similar to the book in terms of everything? I never looked that up. Like the, I never read the book. So. Plot. Like I was like, is he John McClane? Is his wife divorced him and went off here? Is like, is the book the same plot? I was, cause I was going to give it credit. I was like best original action movie characters, but I can't. Cause I didn't want to count like Batman as like action character. Cause you know, everyone knows. Well, looking at the plot right here, it looks like he was visiting his daughter at the building. No, oh. that's interesting. Okay, yeah, I was because uh, uh, I didn't even know this was a book until you brought it up. So I was like, I was trying to look it up. I was like, how similar is the adaptation of it? Interesting. I don't know. Um, yeah. Do you have anything here, Jack? Um, I just had a couple things. Um, one location movies. I guess you would consider yes. like, well, it's not like yeah. all one location, but like it, it all. The juice happens at one. Place. It's just—it's a really big location. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Twelve Angry Men, I think, is probably there. Yeah, there I'm trying like to think of like places. movies that take place in like one building. I was trying to think Alien, of that one. Like, it's a spaceship. Pretty yeah, much. like a ship Alien. building, not not one room. I was trying. I, I I literally wrote that down too. Of like not one location, but one area ish, small enough still. Uh, I'm trying yeah, to think. Um, I, I I'm I kind of thinking of the location and what I guess you're thinking. I, I didn't even talk about this during what's age the best, but just like how familiar we get with the building, like just like mm. with each of the floors and it's like, oh yeah, that's like the under construction one. That's the one with the, like um, that one kind of little room with like the girl poster. Like it's just kind of mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, we're here now. The uh, the, yeah. bre- the breakfast club, single location. Oh, yeah, in, yeah, in, yeah. in the school. Yeah, that's a good, see that's, that's like that kind of thing. I'm trying to think yeah, of what yeah. else would be near my top of the list, but Breakfast Club is really up there for me. Uh, yeah. Uh, what else you got? Um, I in movie buildings, uh, IRL like places you could actually go. Yeah, Nakatomi mm-hmm. Plaza is yeah. definitely up there. What else would be up there? Ah, uh, a small one for me, but definitely like at the top of my like bucket list, like. The the castle, uh, it's called Dune Castle. That was just like 
used for every single shot with the castle and Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Like that's just become like a full-on <laughs> tourist spot. Uh, that's probably up there for me. Uh, trying to think. Griffith Observatory, probably. That's just like been in everything. And then maybe the Ghostbusters Fire Station. Yeah. In New York. That's just kind of like the singular. When you get when you come back yeah. down to New York, I have to take you there. We walked by it, I think. Or was it there? No, I think it's one Ghostbusters place. Uh, the build, been, like... the building, Dana's apartment. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh-huh. the firehouse is in Soho. Okay. Oh, that makes more sense. Okay. Anything else on your end? Uh, that was it. You pretty much covered everything. Awesome. Uh, Hunter, do you have anything here? Mine was returned to what I said age the best. I said TV actors transitioning into movies. Yes. I had, yeah, I had uh, Bruce Willis, but like George Clooney, who was on ER forever. Uh, surprisingly, I I remember this now. Denzel Washington. Oh, yeah. St. Elsewhere. St. Elsewhere. St. Elsewhere for a lot of episodes, too. It wasn't like, oh, he's on one season. Like, no, he was there for, you know, 100 episodes or whatever. And then he became a movie actor. Um, Will Smith, obviously. Oh, duh, well. French Prince, French Prince, yeah. French Prince, and I also uh, threw it was like Michelle Williams as well. Who's oh, Dawson's on, Creek. Um, Dawson's Creek, and now she's like four-time Oscar nominee or five-time or whatever. I was like, yeah, that's that's a way to do it. You yeah. watch that? Show. You so, probably have never seen that show. I grew up on that show. Um, well, ever. Let me tell you, watching her on that show in comparison to the other actors, you're like, oh, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it makes sense when you watch the show. You're like, oh yeah, 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 she's yeah way she, absolutely. Okay. Um, all right, awesome. So, so let's finish up with some fun facts. I saved this for now just to get, I always like the casting stuff towards the end. So the j- role of John McClane was offered to Sylvester Stallone, Richard Gere, Clint Eastwood, Harrison Ford, Burt Reynolds, Nick Nolte, Mel Gibson, Don Johnson, Richard Dean Anderson. I do not know who Richard Dean Anderson is. No, is. Uh, Paul Newman, James Caan. Arnold Schwarzenegger, who turned down the role, which ironically would have just gone against the anti-type of and, the... And Stallone kind of already does, too. So yeah. um, I'm, glad, I'm glad neither of those went through. He turned it down to do Twins, which because he had never done a comedy yeah. before. Good, good call, yeah. Good and, call, yeah. And then Al Pacino, which, yeah. <laughs> I'll say Rich, Richard Gere, not the worst. I think he could do it. I kind think he could do line, it. Yeah. yeah, I'm just trying to think. Like, Harrison Ford had already done action so it's because the thing about bruce willis is he had just been in a comedy tv series tv series up until this so you had no real inkling he's fucking macgyver that's who richard dean anderson is he's MacGyver. oh Oh, that makes sense okay I'm just trying to think of actors who were not action stars before this. Because, like, if you had Harrison Ford, it's like, yeah, Harrison yeah, Ford could be an action yeah. star. Like, we already John knew that. Of Miami Vice, like, obviously. Yeah. Because uh, that's the thing. If you're going from an action TV show to an action movie, that's fine, whatever. You know, it makes sense. But this, yeah. next, this okay. next one is actually pretty funny in terms of what the studio thought of him. So John Travolta was never offered, but he was considered for the role of McLean. But 20th Century Fox considered him a has-been at the time. Ironically, uh, he was. He was. Eighties was not. Eighties yeah. was not not a good time for John Travolta. It was not a good time. Although, so, I will say, not bad. I, I could. I, I'd be interested to see that. Um, in terms of Holly, we had Linda Hamilton, Glenn Close. <laughs> They're really trying hard. Linda Hamilton, just get the Terminator lady in here. It'll be really easy. <laughs> uh, Sigourney Weaver. Uh. 
Yeah. She was not oh, on yeah. it. I just double checked okay, on my good. list. Uh, <laughs> that, would, that would be disrespectful to put Linda Hamilton and Sigourney Weaver in such yeah, a like literally. not like help me, help me, damsel distress role. That'd be a kind of Gina, that'd be really mean. Gina Davis, Deborah Winger, Meryl Streep, Michelle Pfeiffer, Goldie Hawn, okay. Sally Field, Jamie Lee Curtis, who would have been too young. Uh, Carrie Fisher and Kelly McGillis were all considered for Holly. Now, I'm not going to be mean to um, uh, Bonnie Bedelia, but like, god damn, they went for the A-listers and they settled on you? <laughs> like, <Yeah>. really? <laughs> or like Meryl Streep, they were like going for, they were going for Oscar winners, like big A-list poster stars, and they had to settle for, again, not to be mean to Bonnie, but not exactly what they were hoping for. Which of you think? Their, their, their fan, this was their fantasy draft, and they, they got a good prospect out of that, but they didn't get who they wanted. Which, if you think about it, actually does make sense in terms of the Bruce Willis wasn't proven yet on the big screen. So you get like a yeah. big name as the female lead and kind of coincides that. It counter, yeah. uh, counter I guess it, it would be it the it's, it's the 80s, so there was a lot of thankless female roles. But it would be weird for like Meryl Streep to be on the poster for this movie for a character not to do it ton you know for being for for meryl streep standards for what you would expect so maybe they would have to rework the character if they got her a little bit um let's see reginald van john bell johnson was not the first choice gene hackman was the first choice to play powell but he turned down the role Man, they were just swinging for the goddamn thing. <laughs> they were just like, we are going to go all, we're going to get Sylvester Stallone, Meryl Streep, Gene Hackman. It's just like, CEO God. Fox must have just been all in on this project. <laughs> <laughs> I know for some, I know that then, then all the Wikipedias, it's like once they cast over and made it, they were so down on the movie. I was like, they had high hopes for this one and they were just really dejected that once they started making it. Um, Nakatomi Plaza is headquarters did of 20th they century the, did they try to do the empire state building for that one did they try to cast it there <laughs> <laughs> take place they, they were yeah, trying like, fine we'll just do it at the office guys God. so despite the fact that bruce willis was more of a tv star at the time he actually received a five million dollar uh salary yeah. for this which is insane for the t- for the time um bruce willis suffered permanent hearing loss while shooting uh, nope. Uh, a scene in Nakatomi conference room, which makes sense if it's a very small conference room and they shot that. Yeah. Uh, Ebert, uh, you already talked about it. Why he hated it, which is the stupid reason, though, right? Oh yeah, I was. I kept reading back through. I was like, I'm not missing anything extra, am I? And like, maybe that There's... was something that, like, I, I, I think that was the only thing you ever wrote, wrote about it. And you wrote about it in like 1988. Yeah, so things could have changed, especially with all the action movies. That I, I mean, I think something similar could have been the case with like, like a like Alien, for example. I know he wasn't extremely positive on that, but like the more stuff came out, I think he just kind of went back. Yeah. and was like you know, in retrospect, I actually didn't know what I had at first. So yeah. maybe this was another case, and we just never got to know about it. It was also summer season, and he watched thousands of movies. And yeah, I, I, I David, I can agree with. Sometimes when you get in the busy season, there's just some movies you're like, ah, f- uh, fuck it, I don't know what to talk about here. Take, throw <laughs> yeah. it out there, and then and then eventually you're like, oh shit, Die Hard. I just kind of uh, half-assed my review of that one. I'm like, whoops. <laughs> the this one going while this name may not be an A-lister, it goes. At the time, I think he was in terms of the show he was on. Goes George Takai uh, wanted to play Takagi, 
Uh, and John McTiernan sure. really wanted to cast him, but Takai's agent got things mixed up in terms of him making the commitment to play it, and Takai eventually did not get the role, obviously, and he was not happy about it, which... Uh, yeah. Sam Neill turned down the role of Hans Gruber. I love Sam Neill. Nah. No, no, no. no. <laughs> He'd be fun, but he would not be as good. He'd be fine. Yeah. He could do it. Um, the teddy bear John McClane carries on the plane mm-hmm. in the opening scene was oh, also that what the best too. <laughs> the teddy bear, <laughs> yeah. uh, is the same one Jack Ryan carries with him on the plane in Hunt for Red October. Another sublime action movie. Where, you guys do they just it. have this prop teddy bear in a glass case or something? They couldn't just throw like, ah, you know, it's a sacred teddy bear to this studio. Did I, did I ever tell you about my experience watching that movie, Dave? What the Hunt for Red October? Yeah, yeah. I watched it like years back and I don't remember a ton of it, but the one thing I remember is that like I watched it in, like a really like bright lit room and that is like one of the oh, darkest lit movies oh, no. ever. Yeah. And I just I, glare. Could see a thing. <laughs> I was watching myself for two hours. Is it uh, isn't that one John McTiernan too? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, I think that was his follow up to this. Uh last two, Bruce Willis and Demi Moore. Uh were married at the Golden Nugget Hotel in Las Vegas. Moore had recently broken their engagement uh, to Emilio Estevez. I don't know why I brought that up, but I just found it funny that they got married around the same time that this movie sure. came out. Hey, Bruce Willis was on a good time in his life at this moment. I'll give and, him that. And then finally, this is just LOL. This is 1980s horror-like update. So the body count in Die Hard is 18. Do you want to guess without looking, Jack, what is the body count in Die Hard 2? That's probably oh. my guess is it's more. That's like the trend with like the body count in Dire Two is one hundred and sixty four. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I, I remember like because this thing blow up a plane or something. Yeah. So, so that plane has a lot of. Pe- I think that plane has like sixty people. Um. I'm going to say, hopefully they're all bad guys on that plane. No, no, they're not. No, oh, no, uh-oh, uh-oh. Like, 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 any... <laughs> uh-oh. <laughs> so that, yeah. That's why I haven't seen the movie, but I remember seeing, like, he blows up a plane. I was like, oh, I hope that was a good bad guy plane. <laughs> yeah, that was, but, that, yeah. that one was a, um, uh, the bulk of the people that died in it. But then there's, uh. So John the, McClane does not have a good ratio of bad guys to innocent bystanders right now at this no, moment. No, because the villain, the villains, there's a there's a heel turn in Die Hard Two that oh. leads to like another thirty or forty heroes that are now villains. So those all go yeah. too. So yeah, it, I yeah, think maybe, I think maybe. it proportions at the end. I I will watch these movies at one point because I do want to watch like all the Jack Ryan movies. So I'll since that's also McTiernan for. The first one, I might as well throw the diehards in there. Yeah, d- the, first, the first three are definitely like. Yeah, wait, well, yeah, I'm the, gonna the stop. I, I think once once they get out of the '90s, I I I probably won't watch those. Anymore, I do like I, I Live Free or Die Hard. Kevin Smith is in Live Free or Die Hard, so. Oh, oh wow, that's right. He plays the that's warlock. Right. Uh, <laughs> when I see like Justin Long and Kevin Smith in the movie, I'm like, ah, it's just not me. That's not something I want to watch. It does get into the ridiculous thing where he, uh, John McClane takes down an, uh, a, a fire, uh, um, oh my god, a jet, an army jet, and it's, yeah. you know, it's it's ridiculous. Sure. Um, and it's PG-13, kind of, because the yippee ki motherfucker is, uh, you don't hear him say the whole thing. 
So yeah, they just they say motherfucker. Yeah, pretty much. And just, just, uh, the way they do it is pretty creative, but it's not. Yeah, it's not. But, like, it's not. Yeah. yeah, but Vengeance is good. I do like Vengeance a lot. It's it's. Okay. I think it's lower on the lower on our RT, but it, I think it's a good one. I also want because if it's got Samuel Jackson, Jeremy Irons, I'm like, okay, I I want to see them have fun in an action movie. That'd be really cool. Yeah, it's fun. Alrighty, so that wraps up this week's return episode. I'm glad we got to kick off the holiday season with one of our faves. Um, Jack, tell everyone where they can find you. Yeah, uh, you can find me on Letterboxd. Uh, you just look up my name, you'll find me there. Uh, and then all of us, hopefully soon on the League of Cinephiles, we're still yeah. on our break. Not sure when we get back, but when we do, I know we'll have a lot of fun stuff on the way. And Hunter. Uh, you can find me at the cinemadispatch.com. Same name on X and Instagram. I'll be seeing the color purple tomorrow, the musical, and then the boys in the boat this weekend, this week. So by the time this episode drops, you'll have my reactions to those two movies. So, nice. and, and the rest of the movies coming on the next few weeks as well. Busy season is back up and running. And then you can find me at the cinematicreel.com. I will kind of a busy week back in the flow of things i am watching the iron claw on thursday Ooh. um and i'm seeing poor things again on friday since emma stone's doing a q a and i could not miss that Why opportunity I, I i even as someone who doesn't rewatch movies especially new ones i was like i'd probably do that if yorgos and emma stone was right yep. there i would definitely go that'd be cool so that should be a good time and then next week i have not gotten the green light from jack i did get the green light from another guest host uh the 30th anniversary of one of my favorite sports movies ever um uh, Maybe Hunter will join us for this movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Rudy. I have actually never seen Rudy. That is something. Uh, there we should, go. So if, all, if everyone agrees, it should be quite the fun discussion, especially I... with fantasy football players literally on the horizon. It is the final week next season, so I found it to be next week, so I found it the perfect time to touch on this movie. Yeah. A little break from the holidays here. Uh, even though the Christmas does take place in Rudy. Uh, so. Oh. 